Did you know that there's a difference between a coffin and a casket? We've got all sorts of fun and interesting information and more coming up. We got lots of info. Let's rock and roll. It's Digital with Rhino. Hello and welcome to this episode of Did You Know with Ryan O. In case you didn't know, I'm Ryan O. This is my show and I know exactly what you're thinking. Please, Ryan, tell us the differences between a coffin and a casket. Coffins are normally have six sides on the top, um, while caskets are more rectangular. There you go. Here in Did You Know with Ryan O, we go over pop culture um, information. We go over random facts with science, history, and geometry, geology, geography. Lots of things that have a fee at the end of them as well. And much, much more. Yes, indeed. That's what happens here on Did You Know with Ryan O. And we don't do this alone. This episode, our special guest is a Floridian native and one of the most creative and imaginative individuals I know. Ladies and gentlemen, my most excellent friend, Matt Kinsey. So we start this episode, like we start most episodes, with a lovely greeting and introducing our guests. So welcome, sir, to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. During this... um, uh, time of crisis, what sort of uh, fun things have you been doing to keep yourself occupied? Uh, as you know, I'm a prop builder, and I've been doing a lot of 3D printing. Um, I've been doing a lot of prop building during this time frame. I've been really trying to work on honing my craft, put things in my store, uh just really trying to do some different stuff that I usually wouldn't have time to do normally that I can like really work on right now. What props have you been working on uh, lately? Um, so the fun one that I got to do that I've always wanted to do and just for pure craziness is I wanted to do a shrinking, uh, a shrunken head. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I've always wanted to kind of, because it's just, it's a very complicated prop because you have to think about like the skin you have to think about the stitching and the hair and those are a lot of elements and are you trying to do it kind of like a a temple of doom or more like beetlejuice it was kind of a mixture of both really uh a little bit of also pirates of the caribbean as well okay um so i was able to find a 3d print file that i liked uh it i it's just a head so then I took the head, 3D printed it, and then for the skin, what I did was I took tissue paper and kind of almost did like a pinata glue with the tissue paper on the head. And when it dries, it kind of gets this wrinkly look that almost looks like dried skin. Uh, painted that brown. What color did was it tr- originally before it was brown? Black. Okay, so it, it, that's what color your mold is? Uh, I mean, you um when you deal with 3D printing you don't think like molds you think like files because it's literally just lines upon lines upon lines okay and so the file was yeah the file was uh pretty much just the filament color that I have it printed out it prints it out black gotcha printed it out it took about three hours to print out which is pretty good long length of time um 
got the skin on there and then distressed it because what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight some of the parts where the skin was creasing. Um, was that got to the hair increase on the... age and, and weathering? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's always like um, when you think of weathering a prop of any type of prop, you always want to have like contrasts in your props. So think like, uh, all right, let's take for a really simple aspect, let's talk like the Han Solo blaster, like the DL-44. Sure. It's a lot of blacks. It's, you know, it's a general black color. So in order to highlight it, you often do like small bits of it in like silver to make it look like it's chip paint. It's worn in areas. When you do that silver in there in certain areas, it it brings out the effect. It makes it look older. Whereas if you were to do like James Bond's Walter PPK, um, you would just leave it um, the 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 charcoal color that it is because of um, less wear and tear. Exactly. Because okay. you have to. Yeah. And the way a lot of times I and I think I've talked to you about this before, though, and a lot of times how I do my props is you have to think of like the story that's behind it, what's going on, what it's been through. And so you have to think of, okay, how has it been held? How is it, you know, what it, what it, what life has it been in? Uh, with like the DL44, I've got additional wear since Harrison Ford or Han Solo is usually right-handed and he usually has it on his right side. I've got more light, more silver where his fingers would hold it. So near the trigger, near like the underside, um, so you're going to have a little bit more exposed there. And then on the opposite side of it, you'll pick spots where it's going to rub against the leather going in and out of the holster. Oh, sure. Um, kind of like when the uh, the Dukes of Hazard um, remake, they were going over the hood and they were um, yelling at each other about scratching it. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It's it's those little simple thing, and it, and a lot of times it's you don't have to go overkill on it. It's just simple touches to it that makes it look more real. Um, and then like with back back to the uh, shrunken head, it was a lot of just like since the head was a dark brown, I then did a wash with acrylic tan to bring out to accent the creases. And and is it just hand painting? Are you doing spray painting? A combination of both? Uh, a combination of both. It's really for when it's like, okay, what's my what's my base color? Base color I usually spray paint just so that way I can get that done, get that quick. It'll dry, and then it's gonna get done with like the accents hand painted. Sweet. Yeah. The the big project that I'm working on right now is I'm currently doing the Mandalorian Beskar armor, and that's difficult and fun at the same time. Now, is that his um, his brown armor, or is that his chromium stuff, or that is his chrome uh, chrome silver armor? Okay, that is really complicated because with that one you have to do a lot with three D printing you get a lot of like registration lines. It's just how it, it's just part of what it comes with it. And you have to do a lot of sanding, but with Chrome, with how it, you know, if you look at how his armor looks, it's got a slight sheen. It's still, you know, you can, it's a little mirror reflective, 
Sure. So you go into when you do that, it's like uh, 120 grit sandpaper, 220, 300, 400, 500, 600, 800 paint, 600, 800 painted it again. Then you go thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, and then you can hit it with a high, uh, high gloss black. Gotcha. So, so each time you're you're just um, kind of buffering it, making it smoother and smoother as you're going across. Yeah, you're you're almost going. You treat it. It's very similar to like you know doing body work on a car. You have to. The more love and more work you put into it, the best, the more better it looks when you're done. And this isn't the the first time you've tried to tackle armor, is it? No, I tried to do shore trooper armor because, you know, I'm, you know, with me, I'm Florida raised and everything like that. I grew up near the beach. So seeing stormtroopers, beach stormtroopers that like called out to me, that armor is just so hard to work with that. I, that is my goal armor to get accomplished, to get finished. It's just getting it scaled correctly to myself and all printed. I was uh, just thinking of your statement right there about about where you're from and why you like certain things that you like because of the the shore trooper armor, and it immediately made me think of um, why I love the um, like the the clone trooper armor as they're marching in in Coruscant. Because being yeah. from right outside Detroit, it's all I saw was like buildings and stuff, and like how cool would it be? to have stormtroopers in Detroit. But then it really made me think of, well, they already did that. That's called yep. RoboCop. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. 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 So, so, so shore troopers. So if you, um, so getting, so how hard is it to, to, to retrofit and resize it? It's, um, so there are various programs that you can buy. Um, ah, the magical word. Yep. The magical word. Uh, Thankfully, with the arm, with like the Mandalorian armor that I've been working with, I took a lot of going through a lot of reference photos, doing size measurements on myself, and then scaling it. I'm able to scale it to myself. I was it. There was a lot of trial and error, especially with the Mandalorian armor, but because there isn't a lot of big armor pieces on it, it's a lot. It was a lot easier to do because. I'm work. You're, you're dealing with like the chest. You're dealing with like the abdomen, arms, and like the thigh armor. That's really not a lot. And if you mess up, it's yeah, you have to reprint it, and that takes a long time and everything like that. Shore trooper, you're dealing with full chest, full abdomen, arms. Ah, uh, so if you make a mistake, it's it's a lot bigger of a surface, so it takes a lot longer to fix it. Yeah, and that's that's the difficulty of working with that type of stuff. Um, I'm, and a lot of times when the guys that create the files, you know, thankfully they have these files created, and thankfully they're free. You know, I was able to do that. Their files are sized for like a six foot person. I'm not six feet. You know, I'm like five seven. That's a big adjustment. So it takes a lot of time and figuring on how to make those adjustments. Yeah, it's it's one of those things of seeing Luke Skywalker in the uh, in the stormtrooper outfit. 
Yeah. Yeah, like the the claim of oh he's a little short for a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, and the the armor's got to be adjusted for that for your body height and body build too. You know, not everybody's someone that's five seven is also can have a little bit more weight on them, and they have to, you have to make the adjustments on the armor that way too. Or someone who's six foot could either have uh, two hundred pounds in muscle or two hundred pounds in fat. Yeah. Or neither. <laughs> yeah. And helmets are insanely difficult to do. Sure, because um, you have to um, measure because there's there's different um, accesses. You you've got your your x axis. I'm going to say which is the the length or distance between your ear and your ear. Then you have your like your your y distance, which is like the tip of your head all the way to like the middle of your neck, more or less. And then you have like your Z aspect, which is the back of your uh, skull to like your nose. So, and, and then there's even the, the bits in between. That was if it were a perfect square or circle. Yeah. And um, it, it also is like one of those things of your print space, too. Um, my printer is uh, eight and a half by eight and a half by nine and a half inches which for a lot of stuff that's a really good size you know i can print depending on the item i can print something full size right within that space and not really have to worry about it that's like as big as your hand yeah it's it's really good like i'm able to do uh like the holy grail you know last crusade holy grail i can print that in one full piece and i don't have to worry about piecing it together for a lot of the armor and even like the um, the shoulder pauldron, that's yeah, pol- the pauldron, I was able to print that in one full piece and not really have to worry about it. The helmet is insanely difficult. And if I were to have a bigger print area, I know I there's a friend of mine, he's got a 12 inch by 12 inch by 12 inch perfect cube. I could send the file to him and he could print it out for whatever scale that I need. And that's literally what I had to do. Because sure. um, otherwise you would have to break it down. And then once it's broken down, which is which is hard to do, then how do you piece it back together in order to make it look smooth? Oh, yeah. And that was an issue that I had before. I had, This is actually the helmet that I'm on right now is the third helmet I've had to print. Because the other two times where the piecing didn't come out right, the spacing didn't come out right. And it's it's... When dealing with it, it is a, you have to understand give and take. You got to know your limitations and kind of understand where you're messing up. And I just was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to have someone print it full piece for me and I'll not have to worry so much. Yeah. You got to know who to pass the ball to, so to speak, in order to get down the field. Yeah. So then with this um, Mandalorian armor, then what's going to be your your most famous or favorite part once it comes out based on um enjoyability and difficulty and what's going to be your least favorite part based on difficulty uh most favorite part is going to be getting to wear it like this is a very big build i haven't done a build like this pretty much ever so you know i've been working on this since december since the last episode premiered and um you know i've been going really hardcore on it as best as i can you know while doing i've been doing commissions during this whole time frame so i've just kind of been 
putting armor to the side, do the commission as best as I can, and then get back to the armor. Because the, the commission helps, you know, support the uh, materials for the armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, there's times where I've got, you know, I'm still working on commissions because some, some of the commissions are just difficult and they take a lot of time and, you know, I got to focus on them. Uh, with the, what I, you know, Unfortunately, during this difficult time, Megacon, Megacon got pushed to June, and that was my goal, you know, was to wear it. For those of you who are uh, listening and you're, you're not in the central Florida area, Megacon is uh, the local Comic-Con convention. Yeah, and this was going to... Yeah, this is going to be a good one because I'm, you know, hoping to use this to get into the Mandalorian mercs, with the Mandalorian mercenaries, for those that don't know, which is close to the 501st. So it's their, uh, like, guild, more or less, or, like, like army. So if you were to go to a um, an event or something, you'd have, like, 50 or 60 bounty hunters standing around, that sort of thing? Yep. Right on. Yeah, yeah. And, that, that, you know, that's kind of cool. I've been going, you know, I've been in about, I'm in, like, three to four different, uh, Facebook groups that talk just about the armor, so I'm kind of picking up as much information as I possibly can. And the, you know, the happiness is going to be getting to wear it, seeing the complete item, you know, finally done. The the one thing that I'm worrying so much about is uh, putting it on because that's going to be painstakingly difficult, and then taking it off is going to be painstakingly difficult. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need my wife's help for putting it on and taking it off. Sure, that that's and, uh, and then that's going to be a journey. I remember like seeing these um, documentaries on like pe- people putting on like 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 Mystique in the X Men movies. Yeah, how it would take her like four hours just to put all that stuff on, but she had other people do that. So I get it. Oh yeah, have you like just as a side uh have you seen the uh, prop culture that's on Disney Plus recently? Not yet. Um, it's it's on my list. We've got a, a large backlog that we're trying to to push through, but we only have like a couple hours of day together. So I have to. It's one of those things about marriage. You have to figure out your Venn diagram of shows that I will only watch because she doesn't like shows that she will only watch because they're kind of boring to me or don't interest me, and then that Venn diagram. So you have to have that question first about is it in the center. Or is it not? And then once we figure that part out together, because it's still brand new, then we'll oh, yeah. be able to decide where it falls. Yeah, and I totally understand that. That's kind of the same thing with me and Meredith. Um, but so one of the episodes it talks about Narnia when you know Disney had done Narnia. Sure, with and, Caspian and all that stuff. Yeah, and they, they were talking about the very first one, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the big thing that they had talked about is like with the centaur... No, um... The Manator, thank you. Uh, the Manator, the the guys that are in the suits like were getting overheated, so they would literally have it where just before they said you know action, they'd go heads on and they'd put all the head you know had Weta put all the heads on the guys and get it all set up, and that's the big thing. That's one thing that I'm you know worrying about with wearing walking around with a helmet is keeping myself cool. And and then you have to ask you the, the question. Um... Because cause in the show, he he never lets anybody see him without the armor. 
Yeah. So then do you also take on that character aspect of do you let people see you um, with, with just your face or not? Um, and that's, that's really an interesting, you know, you have to think about that. And if, if you've ever done research and I, I really highly suggest it, go to Mandalorian Mercs, go to, uh, the 501st cause they talk about like con etiquette and they talk about what they call, you know, trooping etiquette. And a lot of the, a lot of the aspects talk about those type of things of, do you take the helmet off? Like at a con, do you take it off? Uh, because you know, that's the mentality and the statement is usually, um, you can take your helmet off, you know, safety is big key. If you feel yourself getting overheated, obviously take your helmet off. But you know, if you're on the con floor and you want to, you know, walk around, take that character, take on the persona of that character, you know, don't take it off. So, so, so it's, it's that, um, authenticity is what you're saying that you're trying to um, portray this character of um, Stormtrooper SN7752 or whatever. Yeah. Not and, not Matt as Stor- Shore Trooper 1 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, especially with, like, Din Djarin, uh, gonna do as best as I can. You know, I think I'll probably take the helmet off uh Obviously, when I'm going to eat something when I'm out there, but I'll probably have it where I'll take the hel- I'll walk. I'll probably walk out, take the helmet off, and walk back back in. So that way, because with a lot of little kids, it can be disjarring for them. Yeah, um, because they're seeing this um, this person who you don't see their eyes, so they're immediately intimidated. Which the the um, the bounty hunter outfit, the Mandalorian armor, is automatically is supposed to be a, a aggressively. Um, like like fearful looking thing for people. It's that mysterious nature, and so these kids are going to be afraid. So it's one of those. Uh, how do you balance that aspect as well? And like you were saying, maybe you take it off in order to make sure that they know that it's not a boogeyman underneath. Yeah, yeah. And this will be the second con I've gone to with a mask on because I for last year's MegaCon I had gone as uh Spider-Man Civil War and Homecoming. So I was able to go with that full suit. And that was enjoyable. That was fun. And I would have, you know, those moments where I'd have little kids kind of come up to me, you know, ask, you know, are you Peter Parker? And you know, you just keep you take the persona and you kinda of go, Yeah, you know, yay, hey buddy, how you doing? Or hey, don't you know, don't say my name out loud, you know, I'm trying to keep it hidden. Sure. And you, you also have very similar, uh, or like physical features, um, facial features, I should say as Peter Parker as well. So you could play that off too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I did one time was I, I had like a little kid, my wife was getting pictures taken and I was just kind of standing there. I didn't have my mask on and I had a little kid like walk up to me and kind of go, Hey, are, are, are you, are you, are you Spider-Man? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm Spider-Man, buddy. Yeah, what's up, man? And he's like, are you, you're Peter Parker, right? Yeah, but, you know, you got to be careful. Don't don't tell anybody. I got to keep it hidden. Got to keep my family safe, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a fun little, like, that was, that was a fun moment because it's that validation that, like, someone gets the costume, someone appreciates the costume, and I enjoyed that. So that's kind of, that fun validation will be, especially with, like, 
Mando. Mando. I, I bet that's going to be like the, the big thing that people start shouting at you. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll just randomly be walking and have someone scream Mando at me, and I'll just kind of have to give them that side glance look through the visor. I remember um, going to to Mickey's uh, not so scary Halloween shindig, uh, dressed as Waldo one year, and um, I was in the middle of the crowd, just kind of standing there, and people just kept on like every twenty minutes, someone would shout, "Hey, I found you!" and it took me like every fiber in my being to not look at them and say like it was that hard (laughs) (laughs) just you're just gonna call him out and go really do you think you're being original (laughs) good for you dude nice work i bet your mom's proud of you but you got to be like but it's hard so i had to you know, n- not be a douche, and it took. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta keep. You gotta kind of go. Oh, oh, thanks, man. Thanks. You're the first. <laughs> the first this hour that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a uh, my fun um, dressing up experience, which which led to, well, me receiving candy. So there's a plus side in that. <clears throat> in this aspect, it's you getting the accomplishment of. Um, Number one, a job well done. Uh, yeah. and, and number two, um, feeling like a, uh, a badass like um, the Mandalorian does. Yeah. Who, I mean, who doesn't want to walk around in Mandalorian armor, you know? I, I know I do. That'd if, be awesome. And just feel like you're ultimate and everything like that. You can take on a Sarlacc and see what's up. Oh. I know. I went there. Um, and, and speaking of going there, um, now is normally the time where we jump into our uh, first segment of the episode, known as Ryan O and the Mailbox of Doom. This is where oh, no. I open up the mailbox and try to avo- avoid getting struck by a giant boulder. So what I've done is um, recently I've asked a whole bunch of questions on uh, Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, and I've gotten a lot of um, audience participation. Um, the question that I asked that we're going to go over in this episode is, what was your favorite book when you were a youngster? So I'm going to go over some of these answers here, and then towards the end, you and I can talk about ours. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. I'd like to hear it. So right now we've got, um, let's see, Boxcar Children. So- okay, I remember that one. Sounds like something that might have been like a, a Gen Xer kind of book. Uh, it was, uh, l- if I remember correctly, it was what, late 80s, early 90s? Could have been. when that came out? Yeah. Uh, I just lost it because Facebook just refreshed itself. Um, I know that Nancy Drew was in there. Yeah. Which I've never read any of the Nancy Drews, but uh, for, for me reading as a youngster with ADD, was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the same for my wife. It's like, how do you find something that keeps you interested that doesn't have any pictures or moving images or stuff like that? Um, let's see. Finally, here we go. I'm back in. Um, we have uh, a series of unfortunate events. I remember those. I never got the chance to read them. The TV show. I liked the Netflix show. Is it you recommend it for you know ADD people? I mean, it's got moving pictures. 
Sure. I like it. <laughs> and, and NPH was decent? Uh-huh. Okay. Patrick War- Warburton was very good in it as well. Ooh, nice. I like him. Nice work, pal. Um, Let's see. Colderoy or Corduroy. Yeah. I, I don't know that one. I think it was a book about a little bear. Okay. Yeah. Um, Magic Treehouse, I think, is the thing. Don't know that one. That's fine, but, you know. The, the, the Giver. I know that one, yeah. Harriet the Spy. I remember the movie, loved the movie. I knew that I, at that time when it had come out, I knew, heard that it was a book. It was based off of a book. Yeah, but but like you don't know. Like when you're that young, you're just like, ooh, movie. When there are people before that are like, ooh, book. And then you have yeah. the, the, the culture that read the book beforehand and then saw the, the movie adaptation. And then they have alternate opinions because you have a, a reference to it. Yeah, I've got my opinions on there's a couple there's a couple books slash movies like that. Uh, there's the Animorphs series. I absolutely that was the book series that I read as a kid and absolutely loved it. What was it? The, just the fact that they could um, change into something uh, unique and different. Um, it was. I think it was a lot of elements. You know, I like. You know, I love animals. So that element. You know, thinking in the. You know, that thought of going into the mind of an animal and like how it thinks. Um, the sci-fi aspect of like aliens and an alien invasion, but it's this really secret alien invasion. Um, they were good. They were really good stories, nice story arcs too, that, you know, you you just kind of, at the time of, as a kid, you never thought of books could be like that. And so it, it opened up your mind into something unique and different. Yeah, yeah, and that really it, um, part of the aspects that got me into sci-fi. Nice, sweet. Um, so let's go through a quick lightning round here of because uh, I got a, I got like sixty something comments um, on this one. Um, Holes, Judy Bloom, uh, Little House on the Prairie. Never read, never read, never read, but I know all of all of, all of them. Uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Little Women, uh, Harry Potter. Never read, never read, read the first three, enjoyed one and two. I read the first four, and then the movies came out, and I stopped reading them. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, Wrinkle in Time. I heard good things. Dick and Jane, Cinderella, The Giving Tree. I read that one. Mm, let's see. Uh, Babysitter's Club. Heard of it. Uh, uh, wasn't my type of book. Horton Hears a Who. Read that in read that in school. Uh, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, which we talked about not too long ago. Yep. Let's see, Goosebumps and Inkheart. Ah, I think I've only read a couple of Goosebumps. I I used to read a whole bunch of those uh, because we had to read something in school. And those were short enough that they kept my attention because I've always been into spooky stuff. So there was, it was either that or like reading a story about like a president or something. And I didn't want to read any of that. Yeah, rather read the spooky. Go to go with it. Let's see. We got Hardy Boys, Charlotte's Web. Um, and then finally, The Historian. I don't know that one. 
Uh, I don't know that one either. Hmm. Um, as for me, I, I did enjoy the, the goosebumps because I uh, I had to. I, I'm just. I think one of my favorite books um, was The Green Eggs and Ham. Mm, okay. I I grew up on one. on the Doctor, the Doctor Seuss that is. As did I. And um and so that's kind of where my 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 rhyming schemes and, and like for songs and poetry also stems in because of uh, the the silliness and like like the 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 sneetches with the the stars. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that. I I saw a joke the other day on um on Facebook. It was a meme, and they took like an image of like Sneetches talking to each other, and one had like this weird shady look, like he was kind of like disapproved of the other. And it's like, yo, Sneetches get Sneetches, yo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Oh, it was great. I uh, I, I laughed to myself at uh, eleven o'clock at night, and I had to <laughs> <laughs> try to not wake up Rachel because she was sleeping at that time. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, like for me, growing up, I you know, like I said, I was talking about I read Animorphs, and that kind of got me into sci-fi. And then I kind of slowly started to work my way up into. Um, because when you because the question comes up is like what how far old are we talking when you're talking youngster? Mm, I'm gonna go until like um, ten or eleven. Okay, so yeah, that was all animorphs during that time frame. Because after eleven, you start having to um, number one, your school starts forcing you to read specific books. Um, yeah, like, like middle school is is when you start having to read, read books. Like, I, oh, I had to read The Phantom of the Opera and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I was like 10 or 11. Charlie, okay, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, that's an easy book. But yeah. going into The Phantom, that's that's a, that's a, that's a good, it's a good book, but that's an intense book when you're talking like a 12 or a 13 year old. Yep, as a sixth grader, um, having to read it because um, it, it was it was huge in pop culture. And this was yeah. way before the um, Gerard Butler movie was coming out. And, and so my teacher was really into it, and she would play the, the music. I think she saw uh, the, the play in Toronto. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and so like it was coming out, and, and it was making its way to Detroit. And, and so she decided to have us um, read that one, and it had some heavy French influences that the um that the play and the um the movies were never really touched on because of yeah you know more story the 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 play and the um the show have like x amount of time to do it whereas yeah. when you're reading it you read it at your own pace yeah i mean um this isn't, you know, just not, this isn't talking like youngster, but you know, as I got a little older, you know, reading Jurassic Park and Lost World, talking about that aspect, um, there are, there, I, I won't, I won't deny it. There was multiple pages where I would just start flipping when Ian Malcolm would just start going into full <laughs> rants about chaos theory. And it's all interesting information. It's all scientifically back, you know, it's great information, but it just kind of gets to a point where you kind of go, okay, 
Is he still reading? Yep, flip a page. Yep, he's still talking about chaos theory. He's still flipping. Okay, now I'm back to actually what's going on. Yeah, you, you, it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure, but with Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And Lord of the Rings was like that, too. Uh, I, I read The Hobbit once. Like That's the only book out of all these that I've read. And I, I read The Hobbit. It, it's It's a journey, trying to get through it. Yeah, and I mean, like, here's the thing, uh, and this was a conversation I was actually having the other day with someone. Um, we were talking about Lord of the Rings and how it's great fantasy builder. You know, all this information, all this world builder, it's awesome. But when you go into about 10 pages describing the forest and the tree, you 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 really start to have a hard time. And I'm not like discrediting Tolkien or, you know, talking bad about it. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's just sometimes it's it's hard to read and hard to get through. So then the question is, is it easier to get through with alcohol or not? <laughs> there there uh it depends, you know. <laughs> you is it too after much. second breakfast? Or is it after 11Zs? I don't know. Uh. Well, uh, speaking of things that we do know about, I know that at this exact moment, we have to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Yay. This episode has been brought to you by Everyday Cosplay Finds. Ever wanted to show off your favorite character or group of characters, but don't see things online that match your style? Then check out Everyday Cosplay Finds, bringing cosplay into your everyday. Go to etsy.com slash shop slash everyday cosplay finds for more information. While you're listening to this ad, I'd like you to look down. Now look back up. Are you wearing an awesome shirt that says Team Ryan O? Or a shirt with a duck with a cup spilled over that says party foul? Are you also wearing a really cool button that says did you know with Ryan O? Or a hat that says team Ryan O? Or I know Ryan O? Well, if you're not doing any of those things, you should be. And you can do so by going to zazzle.com slash store slash did you know with Ryan O. That's right, folks. I have my own merchandise shop, and you can buy all sorts of amazing awesomeness pertaining to this podcast and show your love by once again going to zazzle.com slash store slash did you know with Ryan O. Wear it, share it, love it. And now back to our show. Did you know with Ryan O? So now that we're um that we've talked about all sorts of fun and ridiculous stuff, including um Tolkien, it, it's time to go into some more ridiculous stuff, including our science fact of the episode. Um Yay. this one is about a di- a species of spider. Um it is a Tegenaria agrestis. Um it's it's a spider. Okay. That accidentally, um, it it's see, it whenever this spider bites a human, it's normally because it's crushed or squeezed by the human, and uh-huh. it, it it lives near some people, but it normally is very sedimentary. It's actually known as the hobo spider. 
Okay. Hobo spider. So my question for you, based on that information, is if you were to think of the the silliest name for a spider, what would you what would you name it? The silliest name. Uh, the lover's coral spider. And, and and what would be like its defining characteristic? Almost all red. So it's very red, bright, uh, and you see it. And... Yeah, on a, a, it would have to be something where it would be like red and black. And I think it would to think of it also as like a spider that would live only amongst like rose bushes. Ooh, so it's not okay. I love it. We got a tagline for it. Um, it's not the thorns you have to worry about. No, yeah, there you go. There you go. Lover's quarrel. I think the silliest name I could think of for a spider would be Carl. Oh, geez, you're going to go that route? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the other route would be um, the, 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 the green wasp spider. It's a spider that looks like a wasp. So you're, it, it, it preys on other spiders. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Can it like drive a black car? I think it should. And okay. and then its best friend's name is Cato, which is like a grasshopper. Yeah. yeah, even though it should be called the green hornet spider, but you know, that's we're not gonna go that route. No. <laughs> so that's our um our science fact of the week. Um now we're gonna go into our historical fact of the week. Um so y- you know what an amphibicar is or an amphicar, right? Yeah, the ones that, you know, cars that can drive land, go into the water, and then go back out, you know. Uh, so, uh, apparently, um, one of our former presidents owned one. Which president do you think owned a water surfing car? I'm going to go with Truman. It is a Lyndon B. Johnson. Why am I not surprised? Well, see, he was um, president when in like the late 60s. And the amphicars, yeah. amphibicars were popular from like 1961 to 1968. So this is like just before he became president. Why am I not surprised with him? Like you, you kind of, it's one of those, when you say that, you kind of go, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. He, he's got a story um, about when he was um, having friends and guests over at his Texas ranch. And so he would um, surprise them by driving down the hill in the car claiming that the brakes had gone out. And then once it hit the lake, they were, they were like panic and, and freak out. And then finally he would like hit the gas and the, the car would float. And then it just, just to, to see their, their expressions, that's exactly why he would do it. That really feels like something that you and I would do to people. I think it's something that you and I should do to people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that feels. Let's just do it. Okay, let's number one. Let's get an amphibicar. <laughs> number two, we need to find a group of people that doesn't know that we have gotten an amphibicar. And then number three, um, we'd have to find a place where we could actually do that and have people scream without us getting arrested. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. Um. Yeah. Uh, so you learn something new every day. Lyndon B. Johnson is a car enthusiast, but but also learning things 
of the day. Interesting segue. Um, let's talk about our word of the day. What's going to happen here, Matt, is that I'm going to uh, tell you the word, and I'd like you to tell me what you think it means and where you think it comes from, like where in the world would this word originate from. Okay. I'm going to... Okay. Ready. Okay. The word of the day is Lorn. L-O-R-N. It's an adjective. I'm going to go... In, it's an English word. That is correct. Okay. Oh, my wife is going to yell at me because she's an English major. Um, I have no idea. Lo wait, Lorne? Yes. Nope, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought I hit and then I go, nope, that's probably a stupid comment. So, nope. All right. I don't know. What does Lorne mean? Lorne um, means desolate or forsaken. Ooh, I like that. It, it, it comes down to us from the, the word Lauren, L-O-R-E-N, which is the same thing. It's, a, it's an older Middle English word, means to lose. So like losing something or losing oneself, um, desolate or forsaken. That's what they're going with. Is it a Shakespearean word? I'm going to say it is. Okay. Um, but here's an example, and it's a, it's, it's a poem, or it looks like... So the day passes, and it is evening, rough, and I have been to see a grave. It is a lorn place, and the wind has grown shrill, and we come home feeling rather, rather desolate. That's uh, um, Rosa Mulholland, the, the Bracken Hollow in the Irish Monthly. Ooh, I like that. That's a good word that I like. Ooh. Lorn. <laughs> desolate. So that'd be like a fun character's name. If for like a and and d crawl. I mean, I, I'm currently writing my third, uh, the uh, the final part in my trilogy D and D campaign. That would be a good word to use. I was um, so so recently I've been playing a couple of random video games. Um, one of them is Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay. And the the Dragon Age is basically like Lord of the Rings, um, Mass Effect. Okay. But the the Inquisition is a is like an open it's not quite an open world but it's like you you get like a city and it has like a giant area and you unlock different um aspects as you go along um i say this the most important part being <clears throat> the character that i chose um is a dwarf that has a giant axe and when i was creating him i um you can choose different tattoos that can go on their face uh -huh. And he has one like on his cheek that looks like it was a cut, but also a tattoo of almost like the letter five. And so oh, no. I named him. Um, I, I looked up a name in like uh, like Norwegian or or old German or something about like what the number five would be, and it's yeah. Nor or it's Nar. Sorry, Nar N A R. So that's his name. I named him Nar, the dwarf. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's been my ridiculousness of um, playing video games lately. What games have you been playing lately, sir? Uh, I have been bouncing around. Um, big one currently is Animal Crossing uh, New Horizon. What is your been... island known for? My island is called Mara's Eye. Okay. So 
being as a big Indiana Jones fan as myself, I decided to go off of the Temple of Forbidden Eye, you know, the, the ride that's over in Disneyland. So it is Mara's Eye. I have my island theme is the actual, I looked up the MIDI note sequence for the Indiana Jones theme. I have it as the Lost Delta logo for my flag. Mm-hmm. And it is very much an adventurers club, society of explorers, Adventureland, Tiki Room, Jock Lindsay's theme across the entire island. That's epic. So I'm gonna need you to screenshot that because we have to show that off on like our Twitter page or something. Yep, ten four. Because it's like my house, my first room in my house is Jungle Cruise, and I have one room that I'm currently working on, two rooms that I'm working on that are Tiki Room and Jock Lindsay's. And then I have Trader Sam's in the back and they all just look amazing. And then the island is like bamboo, orange trees. Uh, I tr- it, it looks really good. I'm really proud of it. I'm, keep, I'm adding more adventure stuff as I go along, but it looks really good. So I'll definitely screenshot and send it to you. Nice. That, that sounds epic. Any other games you've been playing lately? Uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag um, with the new Assassin's Creed announcement coming that happened last week yeah it was last week um i was like all right i need to i want to finish black flag i hadn't finished that one yet so i've been working on that um with may may the 4th on monday jedi fallen order got a big update announcement so i've been kind of i bounced back to that for a little bit what was the new update um so I can't remember if, have you played Spider-Man on PS4? I do not have a PS4, so that would be a negative. Okay. Um, With Spider-Man PS4, they have it where, you know, you can play the game all the way through, you know, unlock everything as you want, um, and then you can replay the game. It's like New Game Plus, and you're basically having everything, you can play everything that you've unlocked so far. You know, if you have all of your abilities and costumes unlocked, you can replay the game. Um, so they did that with Fallen Order, where you can replay the game with everything that you've unlocked so far, and I had 100%ed the game. Nice. So it's like all cosmetics, all force powers, replaying through. So I'm like, yes, I'd like to do that. Um, they added a new battle arena, and they added new costumes, new lightsaber parts. It's like it's a nice update where you can kind of more replayability in there. And I was very happy with that. I love that game. I love the story. I love the gameplay aspect to it. So I was excited about that. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. Um, so, so that leads us into our, um, one of our last segments here in the game or in the, the podcast, I should say it's, it's a game called, um, Lanterns in Time. It's it's a game specific to um, your love and my love of DC's Green Lanterns. It's going to be lots of fun. I, okay, I, I'm a, I'm a little rusty, so let's have fun. So so how this works is I'm going to tell you the year that this particular Green Lantern um, was created, and you're going to okay. tell me which Green Lantern it is. Okay. You ready? Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's do um 2013. 
is that uh 2013 is that kyle uh kyle is a lot old um older than that okay because kyle came out when you were in grade school okay all right oh i know the name i know the name but it's on the tip of my tongue who is it that would be jessica cruz now the name that you're thinking of he came out in 2012 okay I did not know that Jessica Cruz. They, I didn't know. I do. I don't know of Jessica Cruz. So this, that's a fun little thing. She's the newest Green Lantern. Came out in 2013, so about seven years ago. Okay, nice. So in 2012, just before that, um, right around the time of the New 52, um, this particular Lantern um, became the hero of Sector 2814. What is his name? Oh, that's the one that's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. He's correct. I'll give you a hint. He's one of the chipmunks. Alvin? No, it's not Alvin. It's not Alvin. Theodore. It's a Simon Baz. Simon Baz. Mm-hmm. B a z. The dude with the the mask. The like the yeah. Because he's isn't. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's the first Muslim. Um. Yes. Green Lantern, or at least first Muslim superhero. Um, one of the two. Yeah, because I I remember when that happened, I was like, "That's amazing!" You know, that's a really great diversity, especially with you know like superheroes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember him coming out. I just didn't. I couldn't remember the name. So so going further back in time in 1994, this particular person became the Green Lantern of Earth. 1994. Yep. That would probably be Kyle, because that was when I was in grade school. That is correct. That is Kyle Rayner. Yep. And so the, now things are going to get a little bit more uh, like closer together. Um, in 1972, um, this Green Lantern um, took over. 74? 72. 72. Um... It's their ginger one, isn't it? It is not. He's a before the... Uh, oh, boy. He's also John Stewart? The, yes, indeed. He was. He's also the predominant character in the Justice League cartoon, Mr. John yep, Stewart. John, yep, John Stewart. And that was... He's... Oh, he's... John, Guy, and Hal are my three favorites. Well, speaking of one of your other favorites, 1969, the gym teacher became a uh, a Green Lantern. What is his name? Guy Gardner. And then, do you know what year um, Hal Jordan first appeared? Uh, 1959? That is 100% correct. Woo! 1959, which leaves us to 1940, the first Green Lantern of Earth. Alan Scott. That is correct. We're not going to mention um, Abin Sur because we're mostly focusing on the humans. Yeah, we're going on the uh, Earth versions. So congratulations. That was our Green Lantern game, Lanterns in Time, 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 Time. Uh, I feel better about myself. you, You should. You did really well. Nice work, dude. When I was um, going through this list, 
I clicked on like Abin Sir to figure out um, what things that he's been on or been in because they've brought us some really interesting information. So there's an Elseworlds story, so not necessarily canon, but Elseworlds story, um, which is the reverse of a Superman origin. Okay. So it's um, it's a story about a, a kid named Clark Kent who was um, like like a, a a meteor is about to crash into Earth, and then Jonathan Kent sends his son um, on a ship, um, Clark Kent, into into space. Um, he lands on Krypton and is adopted by Jor-El and named Kal-El. He eventually finds a Green Lantern ring and saves Krypton from whatever's going on there. They don't talk about it in this plot yet. Um, he then uses the rings to recover his memories and he returns to Earth where he meets his love, Lois Lane, and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor. So, so this is a uh, um, Superman, the last son of Earth. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not like I'm not a big Superman fan, but that's I kind of like that. That's very that's an interesting take on the story with a nice Green Lantern twist to it. And that's why I love some of these like multiverse or uh, like like Elseworld stories about like 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 Superman Red Sun, where what if he landed in Russia instead of Kansas? Oh, I love that story. It's, I love that. I love so that great. arc so much. And the, the the flashpoint, of course, the, the most famous yeah. one. But that's like stuff like that. So when I see stuff like this, I'm like, huh, because I'm just a big fan of um Elseworld and just in multiverse with the with the Marvel timeline. It's the Exiles, yeah, where they're plucked from different timelines and have to fix them. So that's why I love the Exiles. Oh, good series. Um, so, so one last thing before we get towards the end of our episode, it's now time for the random trivia generator. Oh boy. Brought to you by randomtriviagenerator.com. So here I'm going to ask you three questions, very random, and you try to give me your answer as quick as possible. Are you ready? 10-4, oh, let's go. All right. Now, uh, question number one, which metal in its purest form has the highest melting point? lead no no i'm gonna go lead that's that's such an awful science answer the metal with the highest melting point is tungsten okay cool all right uh question number two what animal has the highest blood pressure giraffe that is correct and then finally um who were the siblings of the greek god hades Oh, no. Okay. Or would you rather have a David Bowie question? Uh, I won't be able to get it either. Um, I do not know. I can give you, I can give you like one of Zeus's sons. Uh, so, so, so Hades, you, how is he related to Zeus? It's his brother. Yes. Yeah. So that's one. Who who else is related to Hades? Oh my God, this is going into Greeks that I Greek history that I haven't thought about in a very long time. But also movie uh, history and Wonder Woman history. Yeah. Uh, try to get just one more because there's there's technically five, but just try to get mm, one more. Neptune. 
so that so that would be so Neptune, um, also known as Poseidon. Correct. So, so, uh, yeah, because you have to go Roman Greek and you have to differentiate the two. And so then his sisters would be Hera, um, Hestia, and then we also in the mix got Demeter. Oh my God! And that's the um, the 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 Greek god um, family tree. Uh, yeah, it's just a nice, wonderful circle. <clears throat> and that concludes our um, our random trivia generator. We Yay. we survived. Oh, uh, barely. Barely. Well, well, then that leads us to our fun thing where we get to talk about your shop. So, so Matt, now that we're we're trickling down towards the end of the episode, where can people find your stuff? So my shop, you've got a couple options. You can either go through um, on Instagram. Uh, my shop is under the handle of Movie Man Labs. And then also Facebook, Movie Man Labs. And then if you were just to go online, it's going to be moviemanlabs.square.site forward no, backslash. Right on, moviemanlabs.square.site. Yep, and I've got a lot of different props in there. Um, the store will show you stuff that like is for sale, and the Instagram, Facebook will show you stuff that I've done in the past. And a couple, a lot of new things that are currently in there are like I've just done a whole bunch of decals. I've done a lot of Indiana Jones decals, Adventurers Club, uh, Mandalorian, and then the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla logo. Sweet. Very cool. So we've we've talked about um, spiders and presidents, and we've talked about um, books and Green Lanterns and prop culture, and we talked about all sorts of fun things pertaining to the Mandalorian and costumes and whatnot. So I guess it's time for us to have a question of the week. So what question would you like to ask our listeners, Matt? What question? What item from film most resonates with you? What item from film most resonates with you? And you can answer that on Twitter, did you know Ryan O at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, did you know with Ryan O, or you can email us, did you know Ryan O at gmail.com. Lots of fun there happening. Thank you once again for joining us on this lovely adventure, sir. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking about stuff. Oh, yeah. It's going to be... We, we should have you on soon again because, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need to have that uh, that wonderful Indiana Jones uh, overview. Oh, th that's going to be fun. I think we should do that this fall. Yes, absolutely. All right. So from those of us here to those of you out there, we hope you've enjoyed yourself. We know that we certainly did. From uh, Until next time, we hope that you find your awesome, hold on to it, and share it with the world. I've been Ryan Owen. We'll see you later. Bye, guys.
know it? Did you know it?